On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we finally have some sports to talk about. The NFL draft is right around the corner. By the time you're listening to this, it might even be tonight. We've got the model, we've got Coulter on, and we have breaking news in the NFL with Gronk coming back to team up with Tom Brady. So being as that is the case, we welcome on our resident Patriots fan, Hughes, to get his reactions. So we're talking any kind of bet you might want to make for the NFL draft, we've got it. Want to do a parlay on the first three picks? We got it. Want to talk about over-under amount of ACC players that are drafted? We got it. Position players? Got it. What position a person is going to get drafted over or under? We're talking it. Not even mentioning that the NFL draft is happening all via Zoom and anything can happen. Who knows? But all I know is the draft is back. So stay tuned for episode 71 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I'm your co-host as always. We've got a good episode today. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Model, a.k.a. Aaron. How you doing, my man? It has been way too long. I'm ready to jump back into things. What are we talking today? We've got the NFL draft, and let's welcome on our very own insider, Coulter, how you feeling, bud? Feeling great. It's so nice that there's something to focus on in the sports world after these last five weeks. Uh, so happy that the NFL made the decision to keep the draft when it was. I don't think they would have gained any benefit of doing this a month later. You got to get the players, uh, the playbooks. You got to get them acquainted with the organization. And that month between the start of this draft and the end of Memorial Day weekend is a very important time. They can't have the draft be at the end of Memorial Day. It wouldn't make sense for the NFL schedule. Very happy that we're having the draft. Totally agree. It's given us a little bit of a sports beacon that we can all just grab onto. I love the draft as it is. This year, though, so much intrigue. Not just the draft, but now we got computers. We've got internets. We've got a Zoom draft. This is going to be wild. I think the storylines this draft, because of the coronavirus and the attention on the draft, make this the most watched draft ever. Uh, you have the you just mentioned it, the technological part of it, which is fascinating and unprecedented. And then you've got four quarterbacks uh, similar to two years ago. But I think the, this group is better than the ones from four years or from two years ago with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. I really like Joe Burrow. I like uh, Justin Herbert. I like Tua and Jordan Love is not someone I necessarily love coming out of college, but I could definitely see him becoming a good quarterback two or three years down the line. A lot of people had questions on Mahomes. We know what happened to him. Um, you know, it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes you need a year or two to become a, a stud. And I think Jordan Love could be that. So with the quarterbacks, the technology, the fact nothing's happening, this draft has got plenty of excitement in my mind. Yeah. And we've got a lot to cover. So we're going to break down our teams that we're following because there's a lot of intrigue. And then we got some best bets. We got a lot of options on here because there's been nothing to gamble on. So, Mr. Model, at least the books are giving us uh, some odds, some things to bet on here. I think we got some value potentially here. 
It's nice to uh, have a little something to look at. You know, Coulter, you just mentioned Jordan Love, and the first thing that my mind goes to is when I got absolutely burned in their bowl game when Utah State <laughs> lost to Kent State. So thanks for bringing that back again. <laughs> they had a new coach this year. That's what they keep saying. He lost his his talent because they changed coaches. I don't know how much I buy into that, but uh, I know he had a he had a better year the year prior with Matt Wells, uh, the guy who's now at Texas Tech, than he did without him this year. So we'll see. He's going to be the one guy I, I want to watch because just like last year, Coulter, when you said quarterbacks are always going to be rising and going higher than they are, i.e., Daniel Jones. I have a feeling Jordan Love is going to is going to go to an intriguing team in a position. I think that's higher than what most people would have thought maybe like six months ago. So do we start with our teams? Do we start with the Giants and the Broncos and just see what happens? Because the New York football Giants now this is the third year in a row. They're drafting with a really high pick and they went from the second pick a couple of years ago. Last year they had the sixth pick and now they have the fourth pick. And we've got to worry not just about who Dave Gettleman is going to draft, but now we've got to trust that Gettleman can operate in a Zoom draft. Do we have any faith in this? My favorite prop bet of the entire draft is uh, technological problems with the draft. Four and a half is the line. I love the, I think that could go over in the first day with Dave Gettleman. Uh, bet on that if you can get it. I think that's the funniest prop I've seen in years. And I, I just I can't I can't get enough of that. I find it so funny that. Uh, Dave Gettleman could potentially do that all by himself. He he could literally get five gaffes on his own. This is a guy that I'm just going to remind you a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'm going to call it a month ago when talking about his newly formed analytics group, he referred to them as computer folk. (laughs) What? And the over, I mean, the over is plus 145, so great value. To add in the computer folk thing, how can you not take the over on that? I mean, the guy said computer folk. He doesn't have an IT department. I hope, like, his screen freezes for a little bit and everyone can still hear him, and you just hear him like, ah, oh, gosh darn it, how do you get this? What's my password? How do I log in? Like, all things are on the table here with Dave. <laughs> all things are on the table, and the Giants – could trade out of that pick. We could see a team move into that fourth slot because of the quarterbacks we just talked about. So not only are the technical problems, anything can happen, but anything can happen on the actual draft board itself. Uh, it's intriguing to know too. There's a prop bet where that names the top three picks in succession and gives you different odds on that, but they don't have the fourth pick. And I think that's because the books can't really put a value on that fourth selection. It's just too much of uh, an outlier. Yeah, and let's let's go right there because we'll, we'll cover the Giants when we get to the fourth pick. But I think, like you said, the first two picks seem to be pretty much agreed upon. It's going to be Burrow at one to the Bengals and Chase Young at two to the Redskins. It starts getting a little dicey at three here with the Lions. What do you think they might be doing here in that third spot, Coulter? And right, so if you're trying to bet this draft, there's absolutely zero value on Burrow at one and Young at two. So your value comes in at trying to figure out what the third slot is and finding that exact outcome of the first overall three picks. So they give you Burrow and young, they give you a couple other variations of it. They have two at number one. That's not going to happen. I think we all know that now. Um, but so you're trying to figure out who is pick number three going to be, where is the best value on that exact selection? So I think the odds favor for the third overall selection right now is the cornerback Akuda from Ohio state with the third overall pick. 
I don't like that at all. I think Akuda could slip all the way to eighth. I think he could potentially even fall out of the top 10. I think you're hearing a lot of noise about CJ Henderson, the corner from Florida could be the first corner taken. I think there's value in that. We'll get to that in a little bit, but in terms of who is the third overall pick, if you're looking at Bovada, they don't actually offer this guy's name, which I find fascinating, but Derek Brown, the defensive tackle out of Auburn is not listed. They have two they have Jeff Akuda. They have chase young, Isaiah Simmons, Jedrick, Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama, Herbert, and Burrow is somehow at the third overall pick. I don't know why he's even listed, to be honest with you. So the, uh, my value pick here is Derek Brown, A, because he's not on the board, which is just totally suspicious to me, and B, I actually think he is one of the best, if not the best defensive player in this draft class. I think the Lions need a defensive tackle. They miss Sue, and I also think teams that are trading up, Arizona, desperate for a defensive tackle. I think it makes a lot of sense for Arizona to make the jump. Uh, they need to get better up front on defense. They have one of the worst defensive lines in the league. So my best bet in this uh, selection, sorry, this is a long winded way of saying it is I love Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Derek Brown, and that's 22 to one odds right now. Uh, just to give you a little taste of that, it was 35 to one 10 days ago. So it has trickled down. People like the value on Derek Brown at the third overall pick that is, I'd actually be very surprised about that. You don't think the Lions trading Darius Slay uh, factors into this and seems like they would signal that they might be taking Akuda? So I've done a little research here, and a corner has only gone in the top four picks six times in the last 25 years. So this is not something that's really precedented. Uh, you know, you could risk it and potentially end up with a champ Bailey type player, but you also could end up with a guy that the Raiders pick a couple years ago. I'm trying to blank on his name. He was the third overall pick, but he never really ended up doing much. So, uh, taking a corner this high is very, very, um, I would rather end up actually taking Isaiah Simmons if you're going to bet this, because then you get a little bit of value and you're getting hypothetically another top tier defensive player. I just, I don't see it with the CUDA. As I said, too, I think C.J. Henderson has made he is probably the most intriguing prospect of this draft. Uh, he's really shot up the charts here. People are projecting him to be a potential top 10 pick. So if there's not a difference between him and Akuda, why would Akuda go third overall if people think that they're equivalent? Uh, whereas Brown is clear cut the number one D tackle. Chase Young is clear cut the number number one D end. So I just like the little bit of value there. Um, that's that's where I'm going with right now. I mean. You can get uh, C.J. Henderson 16 and a half under uh, it, that moved. It was minus 200. Now it's minus 500. So this guy is clearly uh, he's somebody that there's been a lot of action on over the last week and a half. Now, and I think that I think that decreases Akuda's value. I am just intrigued by what the Lions are going to do here because it sets up the Giants in a very, very intriguing way. I want the Lions to pick either Akuda. I want them to pick CJ Henry. Give me anybody, Derek Brown, take anyone but Tua. I want Tua available at four when the Giants are picking. And I see the model's face. What's up with that? Why you disagree? Tell me more. I, I don't under I don't understand why you would want him available at four. Is there a trade I'm that would be happening there? Exactly. I'm glad you asked that because that then opens the door for a quarterback hungry team to trade up to four to take Tua. Now, it could be the Dolphins. I know you're saying, hey, they're picking five. Why would they do it? But if they think that the Giants are going to be trading out, let's say Chargers or who knows, maybe the Raiders even get in the mix. I know they got Mariota as a backup. They got Derek Carr. But there's a bunch of teams who could use a, a quarterback. The Panthers could use a quarterback. Eh, Teddy Bridgewater. Who knows? Anyway, 
I think with him available, it at least sets the stage for the Giants to trade back and just get a ton of value because ideally, if it's me, my favorite player that they could get is Isaiah Simmons. I want him. This is a guy who at the combine showed up and they said, hey, what position would you say you play? And all he said was defense. I love it. I want him. Okay. I need him. But we also have giant holes on the offensive line. If you can trade back, there's four offensive tackles that are available. And I really, I mean, I don't know if there's a difference between them. I'm sure there probably is. But as long as you get one of those four tackles or Isaiah Simmons and trade back, that to me is the ideal situation there. I think you get uh the Lions and the Giants both yesterday were taping this on a Saturday morning. Both of their GMs came out yesterday and said that they would entertain uh, trade uh, trades up from other teams. And I really, again, to identify you picked out Miami. I think Arizona is a team. Why? This is a team that's clearly ascending. They drafted number one overall last year. People are now talking about them potentially to be a stealth team in that division because they've acquired DeAndre Hopkins. Why do teams trade up in the NFL draft to maximize their perceived window just like the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, just like the Houston Texans did with Deshaun Watson, you trade up to make a move when you think your team is on the precipice of becoming a playoff team. I think Arizona thinks that they're at that way. I think they trade up to either three or four. If they don't do three with the Lions, I think the Giants are, you just mentioned it, a great idea to trade back to get one of those left tackles. So who would Arizona be trading up to take? Maybe it is a CUDA. Maybe it's the, the secondary guy if the Lions take him at three. I do like uh, one of those top three picks or one of those three or four will get traded. I like Arizona as the self team to trade into that zone. Interesting. All right. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the Houston Texans because it is a tragedy that we don't get to watch Bill O'Brien, our favorite punching bag, do a zoom pick in the first round. It is terrible that we don't get this. <laughs> we'll get to Bill. We'll get to Bill at the end of this podcast. I've got a special best bet for the listeners regarding Bill O'Brien, our favorite. All right. So, <laughs> Run us through uh, a few of the uh, odds that we've got here for the first three picks here, because I want Mr. Model to, to weigh in here and say what he thinks is the best value. So give us the, the couple of rundowns and options of what we got here. Absolutely. So the best odds are obviously on Burrow, uh, Chase Young and Akuda. That is the odds favorite. Then the next best favorite is Burrow, uh, Chase Young and Tua, and that's plus 250. And then the next best, which this one is the skyrocketer, Burrow, Young and and uh, Justin Herbert is plus three twenty-five. That is actually still terrific value, but just to put a little button on it, that was at one point thirty-three to one on April eighth. What is today, April eighteenth? It was thirty-three to one ten days ago. It was five to one on April thirteenth. This is why the research pays, guys. There is, but it's an important thing for the listeners to note. You might think that the value has been sucked dry of this lemon. I think there's still value at plus 325. I, I like that. I know I gave out the long shot with uh, Derek Brown earlier, but I think there's still value at plus 325 uh, with Justin Herbert. We were just talking about teams trading up. It would make sense for the Dolphins to potentially do it at three. It's not my best bet, but I still think there is value plus 325 uh, for something that I would say is probably the odd. That should be the odds favorite, I think, Burrow, Young, and, and Justin Herbert. Mr. Model, what do we got there for some implied odds and best bets? What do you think? Yeah, so that's right around 24% uh, chance to happen. 
when I think of Herbert going three and you're telling me that there's 24% chance that that has to happen in and of itself, I just don't see it. I also, and I will admit I'm biased when I hear Coulter talk about how much the odds have moved over the last 10 days. So to me, the train has already left the station and this is one that I am just waving bon voyage. Yeah, no, I'm personally not going to play this one myself, but I still do think uh, as a gambling show, whenever you have three to one odds or something more on something that it is the third favorite technically, but I personally think this is the odds favorite and you're getting it at three to three to one basically or more. So from a gambling yeah. standpoint, if, if you can get that on anything where you think you that's the favorite and you're getting it at three to one, that's still valuable. But I agree with Aaron. I'm not going to bet it because the train has left the station. And this is the time of the of the year, though, right before the draft, when we get all kinds of disinformation, like these GMs are trying to you know play their poker hand and not show what they've got. Does that open the door for a potential Yorgos bet, Coulter? Is there some crazy <laughs> line movement that we think might be too good to be true? I think this is the Yorgos bet. Uh, the, the fact that this has gone crazy down, it really shows that uh, there's a lot of the insider information is right now that Justin Herbert is going to go above Tua. Um, so that has really flipped these odds on their head. Um, and so right now they're ba- basically even at the bookie who's going to go ahead of who, uh, Justin or Tua. So um, you're getting the value here because you get two at plus 250 and then uh, Justin is plus 325. And they're basically so, right. uh, odds even uh, lower on the board. If you get a straight prop bet of just two versus Justin, it's it's minus one fifteen for each of them. I want to put both of you on the spot right now, and you guys have to go on the record. If you were forced to pick between Tua and Herbert as your quarterback for your franchise for the next five to ten years, who are you going with, and why? Colt, do you want to take it? I, you know. I was very high on Tua, but you know, all is all this information. I don't want to react too much to the information, but it seems like the professional scouts think that he is too much of an injury risk. He doesn't know how to take a hit. He gets hurt a lot. He tries to stay up, uh, which you, you could see being problematic in the NFL. And then one other thing too, I don't love the fact that he's a lefty and I knew that, you know, years ago, and I still had thought he was the best prospect for a while. But now that it's as we close in on the draft, I do think when you have a left-handed quarterback, you got to try to change your offense a little bit. The injury thing is a problem. The fact that he was playing with so many great players at Alabama, so many good receivers, we'll get into those in a little bit. Uh, all those factors you have to think about too a little bit more. I think everything I've read on Justin Herbert is this kid is as smart as they come. Uh, he's very well prepared. The one problem with him, obviously, is that Oregon quarterbacks have not done well in the NFL from Joey Harrington to Marcus Mariota. So there is a little bit of a, a stink surrounding them. Um, but I, I do think that gun to head right now on this Saturday, I would go with Justin over over Tua for my own team. Okay. Now, you both know I was very high on Herbert previous last year when I thought he might come out and go to the Giants. I am now officially down on <laughs> Herbert. Oh, like, like you said, Coulter, they've got a history of, of bad or, you know, mixed results of Oregon quarterbacks. And that isn't the reason why you rule them out. That's not to say that you can't be a good quarterback. I just think in a lot of big games, Herbert didn't really show up and Tua did. And I know you said he's playing with a ton of talent. Obviously, he is Alabama's loaded with talent. I just like the guy. I mean, injuries are the only red flag with Tua. That's it. And it's a major red flag. It's a major risk you got to take. But when you look at his tape, the guy is incredibly accurate. He makes very smart decisions. He runs an efficient offense and showed up in some of the biggest moments in college football. So 
I think those intangibles really make him stand out. It's just the question of, can you trust that he doesn't get hurt? I don't know if you can. It's a major risk to take. And I'm just glad that the Giants don't have to get involved with that risk because you know whoever takes Tua is just going to be – their fan base is going to be thrilled. But there's also a shit ton of risk involved with that. So who knows? So while we're talking about Tua and the team that could land him, there is a prop bet on Bovada team to draft Tua. And Miami is the favorite. And I know you, uh, Kaz, have been in love with the Miami-Tua connection. But I have to say I love the Chargers at plus 150. And I also love Jacksonville plus seven, uh, seven fifty, And that's because of two reasons. These are two franchises with terrible fan bases. They're both connected to London to move. Uh, Los Angeles has a new stadium. They have ticketing problems. They both have bad owners. They both have bad coaches. They need a star quarterback to put butts in the seats, quote unquote. And so if I'm getting plus money on both the Chargers and Jacksonville, I think that's what we're going to see too. I don't, I don't know if a team's going to trade up to number three or number four to draft a guy with all these injury problems. I could see Los Angeles sitting tight at six and getting him there. I could also see Jacksonville trading up and getting him at potentially four or five, or I could see them getting him at nine. So I think there's value on both of those. Um, it should be mentioned too. You mentioned the Panthers. They're 50 to one to get two at seven. It's not horrible value right there. There is a lot going on. Uh, the reason I think the Dolphins are going to be the team, though, is is for exact exactly the reasons that you just said. Is that there's the Chargers right behind them at six. There's the Panthers potentially. There's a lot of teams behind them that could try and trade up here. But Miami's got the capital. And here's what I actually think is going to happen. They don't tr- trade their number five pick with the Giants. They trade their like number sixteen or twelve or whatever pick they've got. They've got two. I think they've got three first round picks this year actually. So they trade that middle one with the Giants to jump all the way up to four. Now they're picking four and five in a row. And then the Giants load up on maybe like a couple extra second rounders and a third rounder to just get some value. That's my pick, baby. That's my dream scenario. Oh, so you have the Dolphins with two top five picks. Yep. They end up with, they end they up with a trade, left tackle and number, a quarterback in the top five. Yep. Okay. Yep. So – I forget what their middle pick is. It's like either 12 or 15. 18, it's in that range. 18. 18. 18. Thank you. Um, so if the giants go from four to 18, they've got to get a ton back for that. So if they do that and they run that risk, they could just load up on extra picks here. I actually think that's the smart play for the giants. I think the fan base would just lose their mind if they went from four to 18, but the amount of trade capital that you're going to get from that pick is huge. And I think the possibility from the the Dolphins standpoint is you got your franchise quarterback and you got your stud tackle to protect him. I mean, they went hard in free agency this year. I think that gives them a real opportunity. This this I'm you just walked right into my closet. I am tempting you <laughs> in with the the free agency thing. Emphasize <laughs> underscore highlight it. What do we know about what Miami did in this offseason? They signed four members of the New England Patriots. This is the New England Patriots South. What do the New England Patriots do? They do not trade up like you're saying. They do not draft left-handed quarterbacks with injury problems. To say that Tua is even money to go to Miami is just blasphemous. You have to treat the Miami head coach as like Bill Belichick Jr. Bill Belichick would not take Tua fifth overall with the injury problems. I know he was the number one prospect for a while, but I do think the injury concerns are real. And I think Miami is they're they're team, they're going on the up and up. They won five games last year with a pathetic roster. I think this is an organization that's headed in the right direction. 
the Chargers and Jacksonville, those are the desperation teams. Those are the teams that really stink. They're the teams that are going to make a, they're going to try to hit a home run with a guy who could potentially be the next Bo Jackson. I mean, this hip thing could be a real problem. It could. Yeah, it could. And this is why the risk is there. So it's uh it's intriguing. So let's uh what is let's the, what is the model bit here? Did, did I nail the New England Miami point? He was smiling. I actually really liked that point. I actually thought that was well done. It actually made me go look up to see how Tua scored on the Wonderlick. 13. He's not smart. Yeah, He's not, not good. smart. Justin Herbert is like a valedictorian. He's like a really smart kid. He's lived at home with his parents. He's got three brothers. They're all super competitive. I love uh, Justin's background. I, I'm, I'm really not liking what's happening with Tua. His stock is plummeting. Uh, you can see it in the odds. And I think you can, every tweet I read is everything I hear is just. He's going down, 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 and it just makes so much sense that he could potentially fall into seven where the Panthers are or nine where the Jaguars are. I could totally see that happening and, and that becoming the story of the draft. You know, Burrow will have his moment at, at number one and people, you know, the accolades will pour onto him. And then it'll be interesting what happens with the Giants and, and, and Herbert and the Dolphins. And then after that, we could see like a two uh, kind of plummeting. I think I could totally see that on draft. Night. I really do. I'm really glad you brought up the Wonderlick test because I just do not understand why that matters. What about the Wonderlick test translates to football smarts? I just don't get it. I mean, isn't Jamarcus Russell? He had like a five under or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Now I'll let you guys know. I actually took the Wonderlick test out of curiosity. My wife and I <laughs> sat down. We both took Uh-oh. it. Uh-oh. It has zero translation effect. <laughs> I don't understand why it is, but I'll tell you what, I, I got some stats for you guys. Cause I took it and it was intriguing. Okay. The average score on the Wonderlick test is a 20. The average quarterback score is a 26. The highest average score by position. Do you guys want to guess? Uh, middle linebacker, Mr. Model. Uh, I'll guess center. Center, yeah, I was gonna, that would be nice. Offensive linemen, they all fell under the bucket. Twenty-six point eight was their average. I, not to humble brag here, scored a thirty-three. Felt pretty good about it. My wife, the lawyer, scored a forty. So, kudos <laughs> to her. She crushed me. <laughs> I love it. I just don't understand the why it translates. I mean, there's nothing in that about any kind of translation to smarts on a football field. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really know. I'm just looking at the odds and you look at stuff like second offensive player available. Uh, Herbert was 14 to one a week ago and now he's two to one. So it's like, that's telling me that they think that this guy is going to go in front of Tua, even though Tua might still technically have a little bit of an edge in that prop bet. I mean, the fact that they're dead, even in terms of who will go first, I mean, a week ago, Herbert was probably four to one in that bet. I didn't see it exactly, but now they're even. So the, the trend line is, is that the NFL executives think that these two are dead, even if not giving uh, Justin Herbert uh, an advantage over to a title below. All right. So let's run through uh, a few best bets uh, in terms of where a specific prospect is going to get drafted. Let's go through and run through some of these and go through some of the odds uh, and see what we think are some best bets. Yep. You, ha you have a list of guys or do you want me to go over some of my favorite ones? Let's start with Isaiah Simmons over six and a half. This is you're right. You know what? This is my favorite one because it, that line is razor, razor thin. Uh, I really could see him being a top six pick. I'm going to take the uh, plus one. Four, or no, you know what? Actually, now it's minus one ten. It was plus one forty five. So this might be one of those things where the, the value has been sucked dry. But 
I do like Isaiah Simmons over six and a half. So that means he won't be a top six pick. The reasoning behind this, I think you could see two quarterbacks. I think you could see two left tackles. And then I think you could see uh, potentially a defensive back. And then obviously chase young. And there there's your six guys um, right there. And then, and then also Derek Brown and the defensive tackle. So there's seven guys that are in the mix. I like Isaiah Simmons to go actually to the Panthers at seven. So that's, I, I've done a mock draft and, I feel pretty comfortable with that pick. And that is technically over in the six and a half. I don't love the fact that the value has gone dry, but if I were to play, it would be over six and a half. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, I think I like the over two, just cause I feel like teams are going to trade up uh, and get quarterbacks. And I think something right. really is going to shoot and you, out. You don't know his position too. That's the other thing. I've never seen a guy. Uh, you, you mentioned the defense comment at the, at the combine. And I love that. I love this kid. I think he's a special player, but uh because he doesn't have a position, how are you going to take him over somebody like Tristan Wirfs, who's going to be your left tackle potentially, uh, you know, the next 10 to 15 years? Yeah, it presents some intriguing options. Uh, here's one I think is a no brainer. Andrew Thomas under 10 and a half is at plus 120. Yeah, Andrew Thomas, uh, I've read that people think he might be the best left tackle in this draft. The thing is, is he's not as flashy as Mekhi Becton or um, Wirfs, as I just mentioned. He tested a little bit differently at the combine. Um, but I mean, the plus money on the under is such great value. And you have to think about it like this. The teams that are in need of left tackles are the Giants, the Dolphins, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Cardinals, and the Browns. So I just named a majority of the teams that are picking in the top 10. This prop bet is for 10 and a half. And then outside of that, you have the Jets who also need a left tackle. They could trade into the top 10. You have the Bucks. They need a left tackle. They could trade into the top 10. You have the Broncos at 15. They could trade into the top 10. The list goes on and on. So there's a lot of possibilities for teams trading up and taking a left tackle. And if Thomas is available at the 10 and, and the Browns are sitting there and they already have their tackle, they just signed Decker this past offseason, maybe they don't need a tackle and maybe they trade that pick to a Broncos uh, who are trying to get in front of the jets. And that's where you see the rare trade up for left tackle. You don't usually see that kind of a deal go through, but I could totally see it at that 10 spot. And again, just like Isaiah Simmons, it's razor thin. I, I, I just did that mock draft uh, this morning and I had Andrew Thomas at number 10. So I got to go under Mr. Model. How about this one here? Justin Herbert at five and a half was under 135. Now it is even money. What do you think on that line movement? I don't know what I don't know. So I'll, I'll give a little bit away. I am not a huge fan of Herbert. So when I see line movement like that, where it's getting even more likely that he's going to be under five and a half, I'm like, I don't love it. Um, to me, something like that is going to be a stay away. Uh, but uh, I know Coulter was all about him. So uh, to me, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not necessarily all about him. I just think that right now in terms of gambling, I think he has much better value than Tua. Uh, for, if we're trying to plot this out or how it's going to go, I just think there's right now, Justin's trending one way and Tua is trending the complete opposite. Uh, I think if you're going to take the under, what you're really betting on here is the chargers to make a splash and trade to that three spot or the four spot above Miami. And I kind of like that. I could see it happening. Um, you know, they want a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. So it logically makes sense. And all the reasons why I said drafting to a new stadium, they need a franchise quarterback. So uh, if you're going to take that bet at five and a half under, you're, you're really hoping that the Chargers trade up uh, and leapfrog the, the Dolphins. Interesting. All right. Mr. Model, you got a uh, 
a line or a pick that you think has got some good value? The only one that I've been looking at is the number of ACC players taken in the first round. And this was a comparison between books that I'm seeing. Uh, what I'm seeing is ACC over two and a half players taken in the first round uh, in one book. I think this might be on Bovada. We're seeing minus 240. It's, it's now it's it's now minus 340 on Bovada. It's changed. Oh. They suck the value dry on this one, too. This is why you have to get in on these early. And, and the ACC one over, this is a, almost as big of a lock as I can think of in this draft. You've got Becton and you have Simmons top 10 prospects. And then all you need is one more guy. Clemson has several other guys you can go in this draft. Uh, and the n- number one guy is AJ Ter- Terrell. Uh, so I, I do think that this is an over bet. The cheaper way to play this is on AJ Terrell himself, 32 and a half under, uh, which is minus 120. That's the best way to get to that, that over ACC number. I'd love that. Man. I'd love that play. Yeah. All right, Coulter, do you got any other best bets that you want to go through here? Uh, I like uh, offensive players over defensive players. I think there's six left tackles that are going to get picked in this first round. I think there's also potentially six receivers. I know Mel Kuyper just did a draft where he had six. I think actually that number is going to be five, but that's 11 offensive players right there. You add in the four quarterbacks and you're at 15. All you're really looking for is uh, a running back, another offensive lineman, a receiver offense. Yeah. Or just another receiver. Yeah. So there's a, a lot of ways that this can go over. I do think, and this actually kind of blends into my next best bet. I do think another great best bet, and there's no value on this, but if you're just trying to make money during the quarantine, hit this one and hit it hard under one and a half running backs in the first round minus 500. I do think it, it hits one, but it doesn't hit two. I think we'll see either Deandre Swift or Jonathan Taylor at the end of the first round. I do not think we're going to get another running back though. That's, that's as safe to say as a lock as any bet on this board. I think that and the CJ Henderson uh, under 16 and a half, again, no value on either of those at minus 500 a piece. But if you just want to put like 500 bucks, you're going to get the $100 back on those two bets. Um, But I do think there's one running back. And I think that contributes to the offensive players being the defensive players, some long shots. And uh, Ryan and I have talked about this. Jerry Judy to the giants at 30 to one is just delicious value. I could see the the Cardinals trading up and drafting somebody at four, whether it's Derek Brown or Akuda, and I could see the Giants at eight, just thinking, you know what? Wow, we've got the best receiver in the draft. Sterling Shepard has concussion problems. Evan Ingram has injury problems. We need a big receiver for Daniel Jones, and they just shoot the moon. And at thirty to one, I could definitely see Dave Gettleman bungling this situation. That's enough to tempt me. Why did you have to do that, Coulter? We we texted about this. I Listen, I love Jerry Judy. I think he's going to be a phenomenal football player in the NFL. The Giants cannot take a wide receiver. It's like the one position besides defensive tackle that they cannot touch. I mean, literally, you give me any other player, any other position besides quarterback, running back, and defensive tackle. Those are the three that are we got locked. And if you take a wide receiver here, I'm going to just, again, lose my mind. And again, I like Jerry Judy. He's a great prospect, but there's so many needs on this team that we don't need to go with like a flashy wide receiver. We just don't. Uh, I, I've like, I don't know why I've circled Jerry Judy as like, he's my favorite prop bet guy. This, cause I also love the dolphins at 22 to one because of you mentioned earlier, they've got a ton of cachet so they could trade up to 10 where that Browns pick is and they could get him there. You know, let's say they get, uh, 
Herbert at five and then trade up to 10 and get uh, Jerry Judy. That offense is lightning now with Devonte Parker and Judy. I also think to go back to my original point on the Patriots South thing, what did we learn from new England? You need to have two good receivers. You need, you need that in order to be a great football team. Uh, and I think if you have Parker and Judy and you're the dolphins, you've got to love that. Talk about uh, disarming the pa- the best part of the Patriots is their secondary. You can challenge this New England secondary this year with Jerry Judy and Devontae Parker, whether it's fi- Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball or a rookie. I love the Dolphins at 22 to 1 with Judy. I think there's a lot of value there. I also like Denver, uh, my team at 8 to 1. There's been a lot of rumors that John Elway is trying to trade up. So at 8 to 1, I, I would not put that past the Broncos. The good value on the Jerry Judy props. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and that's a good segment or segue, excuse me, because we haven't really gone into your Broncos. What uh, what are you guys hoping that the Broncos go with here in the draft? You know, I think our strengths as a defense, it's kind of weird. Our strengths are outside pass rush with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. And then also in the back part of the defense, it's in the middle. So our strengths on the front seven are outside. And then in the back four, it's inside. So our real needs are interior defensive line, middle linebacker and corner on the defensive side. I would like us to go defense. I think there's going to be some value because of the quarterbacks, as we just mentioned, and some of the receivers and the left tackles. So we, so we could potentially get a Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina at pick 15. I think that would be wonderful. I think he's 10th or 11th best player in this draft. And to get him at 15 at a position of need, that would be my number one guy. I would not hate us trading up and drafting Derek Brown. I, I, I just love, I love the idea of getting somebody who's a, a madman in the middle of that defense. Uh, I know they traded for Jarrell Casey in the offseason, but he's a veteran. Needs some youth at that position as well. You don't want a weapon to go with your newly minted Drew Locke quarterback? You know, if, if CeeDee Lamb is there at 15, I wouldn't hate it. I, I do think there's a lot of receivers, and we have 12 picks. So I don't hate waiting for a guy later in the draft, whether it's the kid from Penn State. Uh, Denzel Mims, I know, is beginning a lot of attention. If he could follow us in the second round, something like that. I guess bottom line is uh, I think Cortland Sutton is a, a, a number one wide receiver in the NFL for the next 10 years. And I don't think we, I don't think it's as big of a position of need as people are letting on to. I mean, we have a number one receiver and I know I just said that you need two to be great. But we're far from great. You know, we need other positions. So I think that's where I kind of landed with it. We're not beating the uh, chiefs this year. Essentially is where I'm getting at. Yeah. It's going to be tough. There's only- there's only one way to beat Patrick Mahomes and that's to put pressure on him. Just like beating Brady when he was at his peak. Uh, and a guy like Kinlaw or Derek Brown, those, those are the ways you go about beating a quarterback of Patrick Mahomes stature. So that's, that's where I've landed. All right. So I'm going to throw one out here. I know I'm putting you guys both on the spot here, but it's an intriguing name and I want your opinions on where you think he's going to go. And that would be Jalen hurts. I don't think he's expected to go in the first round probably a mid to late second round pick at best. I think there's some intrigue with him. Who do you guys uh, like to pick up Jalen and who do you think would be the best fit for him? I love the Jalen hurts prop bet under 62 and a half. So that means he's a, that's implying he's a second round pick at minus minus one eighty. You have to drink a little bit of juice, but I do think he's going to go in that second round as for teams. If, if, uh, Jacksonville misses on a Tua Tagovailoa in the first round. Uh, I think I could definitely see Jacksonville getting a Jalen Hurts because he played so close to that team in Alabama. He's name recognition. He's also a kind of guy that you can come in. He's not going to threaten Minshew right away. Minshew will be your starter. 
your training hurts to potentially take over in year two or year three if Minshew's not good. So I really think that situation makes a lot of sense. I think New Orleans is another team. They've been plugged in to draft Jordan Love at the tail end of the first round. I don't know if they that's their biggest need, but I could definitely see Sean Payton liking Jalen Hurts. Again, uh, regionally, it makes sense. Alabama, Oklahoma, he's been near there. You know, the fans would go crazy if he's Drew Brees' replacement. He's a shorter guy, too. So he kind of fits into that kind of mold that uh, they that they like. I'll throw in a little bit of a curveball here. So uh, we know the Patriots lost Tom Brady, and they're looking for someone to back him up to come back in and fill that space. Uh, obviously, Jarrett Stidham is there. Uh, obviously, they picked up a veteran in Hoyer over the off season, but I could see him coming in on uh, round three here, and the uh, Patriots grabbing him and liking it and seeing if they can make something out of him having to be more of a long-term project. I totally agree with that one too. Uh, I don't see the Patriots picking a quarterback in the first round because I think it creates too much of a weird competition thing in the off season, but I definitely like the idea of them adding a quarterback in the second round. They also like the Broncos have a ton of picks. I think it's like 13 or 14 picks. So it would make sense that even if they skipped on Hertz with their first pick or even their second pick that they could go back into the second round and get a guy like that before the second round ends. So, I got one I'm going to throw out real quick, and that would be the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they might be an intriguing one. Have him sit, let Ben finish out his career, and then uh, and then train Hurts to kind of come on in and take it over. I don't hate that either. That's a great call. This The Steelers is a nice one. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Gronk is back on the show to discuss the ch- major changes in the NFL. Our resident Patriots fan, Bill Hughes. Bill, how you doing today, man? I'm doing all right, man. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously uh, it's an interesting day uh, with all the news. We're a day away from from the draft, so um, you know it's definitely uh, it's definitely been interesting to kind of process this one. Now I've got a few questions I would like you to answer honestly. Okay. Yes. Do you want to start first speaking as a Patriots fan, or do you want to speak first as your NFL take on this situation? Um, let's go NFL take first, then, then we can get into the fan stuff. Okay. So is this gamble going to work out for the Bucks? He doesn't play defense. So my only fear if I was Tampa would be that they're going to be in a shootout environment almost every, every week. Now, they've clearly got the weapons to do it. And so I think that, you know, if you put it on paper, it all makes sense. But the NFL has tried this dream team thing in the past. The Eagles tried to do it and it backfired. I mean, very historically. And I think it isn't like the NBA. I think some, you know, I've seen some stuff on Twitter, people saying, Oh, you know, NFL has turned into the NBA. They can try, but it just hasn't worked. Now is Tom a transcendent enough talent to make this all come together? Five years ago, you might have convinced me. Right now, I mean, I, I think they got their work cut out for him. Arians has done this before with big, high-profile guys. It's been a tough year one for most of them. I think we might be looking at a tough year one for the Bucks, especially with no offseason. Do you think that Gronk comes in ready to play, or do you expect some kind of rust from him? Um, I would expect some rust, I think. So I will say, what I heard today, there was obviously a lot of things going around, and we'll get to the Pat side of it, but – 
around this is an indictment on the Pats. The Pat he didn't want to play for the Pats for whatever it's worth. And I don't know if he's just being a good steward of his uh, image or not. He did say in an interview today that if Tom had stayed with the Pats, he would have considered coming back to the Pats. Um, I don't know if that's true. Obviously, it's easy for him to say that now. But I do think that a lot of this was he missed football. I think he became the 24-7 champion of WWE and was like, oh, like this isn't quite the life that I was living when I was a Hall of Fame, potentially best best tight end that's ever played the game, winning Super Bowls. And so I think he I think he missed a little bit of that. I think he wanted to get back into it. You know, whether he would have come back to the Pats or not, that's left to be determined, but he did say he would have considered it. I find that hard to believe. But before we jump on to the Pats, I just want to get some more thoughts on the Bucks because it's intriguing at the very least that they've got all kinds of offensive weapons. And I know you made a good point about defense there, but do you think that they're going to just all of a sudden be this high flying offense and they can just outscore every team they play? And we're going to get Saints Bucks games that are going to be like 54 49. So, I mean, I think uh, the NFL would love it. Red zone would love it. Fantasy would love it. I don't know if it's going to happen right out of the gate. I, I think if you look at the way that Tom's career has progressed, he's not a fly by the seat of his pants, gunslinger, shoot it out type of quarterback. Now, he's definitely been in shootouts before. The Eagles Super Bowl is one that comes to mind where, I mean, he pretty much willed us to the opportunity to be in that game. Uh, defense couldn't couldn't hang on. But to have to do it every week and with a team that he's never played with before, I mean, I don't know. I. I think that it's, there's going to be, there's going to be a learning curve. I think they're going to, I mean, given the weapons they have, they're going to score points. Um, but the other thing is chemistry. I mean, you know, the the Antonio Brown rumors were early. Bruce Arians was pretty quick to put those out. The Rob Gronkowski coming into a team that has an established tight end and Cameron Brait and has several wide receiver options and a young tight end. It looks, sounds like they're still trying to move OJ Howard, but you know, if OJ Howard's still in the mix, how does that all fit? Does Tom, did the guy start to think, oh, Tom's only looking at Rob, that Rob's got some preferential treatment, especially with the story that came out that this was Tom's idea and that Tom really pushed the organization in this direction. Um, and I don't know. I think it's going to, Bruce Arians has got his work cut off for him. I, I keep coming back to the Freddie Kitchens quote, what is the one thing Bruce Arians taught you how to do? And it was mix a good drink. And I, I'm worried. I'm a little bit worried that the grinder, the detail-oriented Tom Brady is not a let's roll the balls out and see what we can do, boys, type of guy. That brings up a good point because I do think that there is that element of Belichick that certainly was was there. But we're going to see, finally, this is going to give us a real opportunity now to see who is the real power player here. Because if you just have Brady down there with with Evans and Godwin and O.J. Howard, you know, certainly you make a case it's a really good offense. But now it's Brady and Gronk back together. I mean, they're running it back one more time. Do you think that Belichick, something in him is just, uh, you know, that this is like a fire in his soul that he's ready to come out and just light the world on fire from this? I, I really think that, and it's interesting, I think we, you know, we can get a, a, this all obviously segue a little bit into the fan thing, but I do think that there's a part of Bill Belichick that always sees the future first um, and doesn't really care about what has happened in the past. And I do think that his ultimate goal going into 2021 or 2020, 2021 is to win a Super Bowl. And to me, as a like just watching it and not as a fan, that's crazy given the guys they have on the roster. I mean, like they are completely undermanned. They were last year, which is, I think, one of the reasons why they had an early exit. Um, they don't have the weapons to compete uh, to me 
for a Super Bowl. Now, can they win the division? Yeah, I mean, he's a good enough coach to win them the division. But can they come out and be a Super Bowl contender and potentially meet a Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski in Tampa next year? Man, like, I, I, it's hard to see that that reality right now unless Bill's got a rabbit up his uh, sleeve and he can turn Jarrett Stidham into uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 does, does a game manager even get them to a Super Bowl with the roster they have right now? That that's another that's another thing I think you could debate. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we're on the Pats, give me your first gut reaction, your honest thoughts when you heard that Gronk was coming back. Um, honest thoughts were, it's not going to work. Um, and I thought that because of, I was a fan, right? I don't want it to work. Part, part of me, you know, right. I think the Tom, the Tom thing was like, okay, like, great. If, if Tom goes down there and does well, like good for Tom, like Tom's earned that. And to start recreating the team and start putting, and I said this to a buddy today, I said, if the Pats stink next year and we're, you know, three and 12 going into week 17, and it's looking like we might be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes or whatever. And the, and, and Brady and Gronk are lighting up the night sky. I will care, but won't be crushed. If we're eight and eight and we're on the outside looking in and we're picking in the teens and they're, they're winning a super bowl. I'll be devastated. I'll be on the floor because that means we could have been in that situation too. If we're, we, if we have a good enough team around to add Gronk and Brady and be a super bowl caliber, which I think, it, you know, arguably we were that when we beat the Rams, then yeah, that's, that, that's devastating. And so my initial thought was, Man, I hope we're either really bad or we beat them in the Super Bowl. Um, because yeah, a mediocre season to see the two of them succeed together somewhere else, it's gonna be hard, man. I just don't see how the paths are gonna be in that discussion, like you said, for a potential beating the Brady and Gronk in the Super Bowl. I just don't see it. What are your realistic expectations this year for the Patriots? I mean, I know you just said you don't want to be middle of the road, but what do you think is the actual win total you can expect for the Patriots this year? Um, oh man, that, that, that is a great question. And I think, I think, it, I think a lot, well, I mean, I hate to I hate to dodge a little bit, but I think a lot will be determined on, do they decide to draft another quarterback or do they dip into the second fiddle era of Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, uh, I mean, Jameis Winston, uh, any of the veterans or, you know, does do any of those moves then free up a Tyrod Taylor, you know, who, whatever the, the dominoes that land them a, an other, a different quarterback that's not on their roster with the quarterbacks on their roster, Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham, I think max, you're looking at nine wins. And I think those nine wins come from, you know, a couple of Bill Belichick gems. The defense is still good enough, I think, to compete against the teams that aren't great. The Jets, I don't think are any good. The Dolphins, I think, are still going to struggle. The Bills are, you know, the Bills are a formidable opponent and the Pats are going to have a tough schedule, obviously having finished first in their division again last year. Um, I don't know who their crossover is against uh, in terms of the NFC. I, it's not the South because I know they don't play the Bucks until the next year. Um, and I don't believe it's the East because I think that was this year. So I don't know if they're they're going out. I don't know where they're at, but um, but I think nine wins max. I, I see this team as like a seven and nine, eight and eight type of team with with any of the quarterbacks that they have now. And potentially even worse. I mean, obviously Stidham gets in there. They could be three, they could be three and 13 and everybody will be touting the, the Trevor Lawrence genius behind that. So I, I don't know. I, do they drop the quarterback this year too? That's the other thing I'm, I'm I really was going to say. Yeah. <sighs> they're, they're in position to maybe get Jordan love if he's around. Mm -hmm. Do you try and make an aggressive move up and get maybe Herbert? I don't think you can wow. count on up for two. That's a lot of draft capital that I don't think they have. 
Yeah, I, and I agree with you with with everything I've known about them. Whatever guy they go with is going to have to fit within a little bit of the constructs of what they have. If not, to your point, trade up a few spots. You know, I don't think they can get to the top ten where I think two is going to go. Uh, and just just because they have so many holes to fill. And the one thing we talked about, I, I think we talked about this too when we were talking about Brady's contract situation before we ever knew that he was going to Tampa. They have a lot of dead money they're carrying this year. They're carrying Antonio Brown money. They're carrying Tom Brady money. They're carrying Steven Goskowski money. They're carrying um, the defensive tackle, Michael Bennett. Like they're carrying a lot of dead cap money on guys that aren't playing for them. And so they need to fill some holes with some cheap young talent and really start to replenish, you know, the guys that are coming next. And so I, I can't see them mortgaging the future to try and get a Tua Tonga Vailoa personally. Um, now the name that's intriguing is Jalen Hurts. And the Jalen Hurts rumors have been out there given obviously his success as a winner in college in multiple places, his dual threat capability. Um, and so I think, I think that's an interesting later, you know, type option for bill to bring in a Hertz, let him compete. See if, I mean, shoot, maybe he plays multiple positions for them. Uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, and Jordan loves another one where, you know, again, some of these guys that are going to get drafted towards the end of the first round, beginning of the, or in the second round, third round, you know, some of these guys, I don't think the country knows a lot about it. And obviously everybody knows Jalen Hurts, but, you know, do they know about um, about some of these other guys that maybe flew a little bit more under the radar at smaller schools? Yeah. I, you know what? I don't hate Hurts to the Pats. I actually threw out uh, – I thought he might go to the, the Steelers. I thought that would be a good fit. Yeah. Let him sit for a year. I'm kind yep. of intrigued by uh, him on the Patriots, though. That makes a lot more sense to me. And and to me, and the, tell me if you you tell me if I'm wrong on this. My take on whoever plays quarterback next is that the the difficulty of taking over for Tom Brady has kind of gone away. He's no longer. I mean, he's he he decided to go somewhere else. So it's not like Tom Brady's going to be in the shadows. Like, oh, here he is. Like, you know, they're doing like tribute nights and that kind of stuff. And it's like this guy stinks. It's going to be like. Tom's on a different team. We got, we might stink. Who knows? Let's just, you know, put the best team we can out there and, and start playing for the future. So I do think if they go with a young guy, there's a little less pressure. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to be worried about trotting somebody out there to, to ruin them, so to speak. But it also opens up the door of, to your point, Hoyer's there. Hoyer could eat a year. They could stink. And then just, you know, to your point, let Stidham get another year, maybe a Hertz get a year under his belt and, and get ready for the for next season and clear some of this cap space and um, and get going. The no the no off season too is throwing real wrench into a lot of this stuff for me because that's the thing with with Tom and Grant too. You got a guy trying to learn a new offense with no off season. Like well, that's gonna be weird. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I disagree with you though that this quarterback's not gonna be compared to Brady or maybe not necessarily compared. You're right. Obviously, they're not gonna be doing tribute nights and whatnot. That helps a little bit. But the obvious, they're gonna just compare him like. You've had yeah. 20 years of Brady. I mean, it's just an obvious fandom like thing that you're just going to have. And people are going to be like, well, this sucks. And I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's worse that Brady is going to be in the league because you could still see, you know, he's having a good season. He could still play. This still could be our team. You know, it could be you all running right. back. You might be right. You might be right. Uh, all right. Yeah, phone coming in. Anyway, what I was going to say next is uh, the one guy that's sitting out there that we haven't talked about for your pats. Cam Newton, man, I know. And I'm really, I'm really torn on the Cam Newton theory. I think if you look at what Bill Belichick has done traditionally with quarterbacks, the turnover thing is a big thing. I think that there's always a fear 
or I should say there's always a priority placed on taking care of the football, making sure that the team is safe, that we have an opportunity to win. And I don't know, having watched Cam recently, it, you know, physically, can he, can he, can he throw the ball where he wants to? I mean, like, and I think with no, with no, um, again, with no off season, with no physicals really, and being able to really see what he's got, um, I'd be a little worried bringing him in based on the injury history and, and just the overall you know, desire to control the football and move it down the field. But maybe he wants to prove it. Uh, and I think that that, if that's the case, and I, I mean, I, I think Belichick loves talent and Cam Newton's clearly talented. Anybody who thinks Cam Newton's done, I think he's got something to prove. And, you know, the most dangerous thing in the world is an athlete with something to prove contract year down and out comeback season, whatever it is, guys rise to the occasion. I got to imagine Cam's going to do the same. Um, and, and it could be, it could be really, really interesting to see if Bill wants to take on that, uh, that challenge. I see for me, the only reason I don't think that it's going to be a tank for Trevor Lawrence type season is I just don't think Belichick has that in him, And I don't think he's going to be around that long to coach with, with Trevor Lawrence around. Like, I mean, you, you think really, if, if you draft Trevor next year, you win in the next two years of having him, that's three years of Belichick and he's getting up there, man. You think he sticks that's around good, that long? That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I think that I, I do think there's an idea or like a theory in my head of him wanting to pass the organization on when he does retire with the future intact. Now, obviously that's wishful thinking as a fan, you know, my hope is that that happens, but you know, ultimately I think it's going to come down to, I, you're right. He is not of the nature to lose on purpose. And he's certainly not of the nature to do it when you don't know that there's a guaranteed outcome, right? They could go, they could go two and 14 and somebody goes one and 15 and they, they don't get Trevor Lawrence. And so I don't, I, and to be totally honest, I don't know what the depth behind Lawrence is from the, at the quarterback position in the next draft. So you're probably right. I mean, I think Bill Belichick's going to go out and try and win every single game he's ever coached preseason, regular season, playoffs, backyard, wherever it is. And I think the Trevor Lawrence thing will be a convenient storyline if they stink for us fans who are like, see, they're tanking for Trevor. It's all part of the plan. Yeah. I see for me, Belichick is just that ultimate competitor where I'd be shocked if he's willing to just throw a season away when Gronk and Brady are down in Tampa, potentially running away with the division. Like I just don't see him doing that. No, I agree. And I think, I do think that the, the Gronk thing is funny. So getting back to a little bit. So there are a lot of people throwing dirt on the grave, right? So a lot of people with the, the Patriots way is done no one wants to play for Bill. I mean, I think as two guys who've played for coaches in the past, you don't always love the head coach. The head coach can be a bit of, and, and I, they're just difficult. They're guys a lot of times that don't really have a lot of human emotion. They live in a absolute bubble of football. And I'm not surprised that guys don't love playing for him. Now, whether or not winning can supplant that, that's the interesting thing with Gronk. Because when I look back on the Gronk thing, Gronk retired after they were going to trade him to the Lions after the 2012 season or I think, whatever yeah. year it was, yeah. 2017. 2017. 2017, yep. Then he said, I'm retired. So they're like, all right, we can't trade you. So he came back. He did that to stay with the Pats. I mean, like if he really wanted to go somewhere else, he could have gone somewhere else. Now, granted, the Lions aren't in this best situation. Maybe he doesn't like Patricia. I don't really know. But at the end of the day, I think. Belichick wears on people. And I think Belichick knows that. And I think that's part of his thing. I think it's part of his deal to try and push the envelope to a point where 
his star quarterback, who's the best quarterback that's and most successful quarterback that's ever played, is taking pay cuts because he believes that by taking pay cuts, he's got a better chance of winning. There's no proof to that, right? I mean, like, there's been high-paid quarterbacks that have won, but the the fact of the matter is that Belichick's able to sell his system internally with the ownership group. And I think in this case, like he, I don't think he wanted Tom back at the number that the bucks gave him or anything else. I think he was ready to move on because he values assets over emotions. It's kind of how I've tried to describe this to some other people. It's like, he doesn't, it does, it's not emotional for him. It's like for all of us, everything's emotional. We're fans. I mean, even the stock market. So I've been, you know, I've been in quarantine fall. I got some, I got to follow something, some, some gambling. So anyways, I've been following the stock market. <laughs> You buy a stock, there's an emotional attachment to that stock. I don't know anything about these companies. I'm still like, oh, man, I don't know. We could go higher. We got a chance. And I do think that <laughs> Belichick doesn't believe in that. Like, it's all about an evaluation, a system. What can you do for me? And once you get to the useful life and what the value is, I think he's ready to move on. The fact that he just got a fourth-round pick for a guy that retired, I think to him is like, again, it's just found money. He's just walking down the street. He's like, oh, I found a fourth-round pick. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Like, Gronk could come back and play no games. That's the other crazy thing to think about. I mean, not to say that like Gronk's been like, like injury prone. He's had injuries, but there's a good chance. Gronk hasn't played football in a year. Like what you're trading a fourth round pick for a guy you haven't even seen work out in however long, maybe they saw a private workout via zoom or something. (laughs) And, but he hasn't played football. You've played football. You know what football shape is like. It's not like wrestling shape or living your life shape. It's like, you got to be ready to take a brutal beating. And I, I, I mean, maybe Gronk's ready for that. He knows what it takes for sure. He's a hall of famer, but like, I, yeah, I mean, I think Bill looked at that and was like, you're going to take a guy off the street for a fourth round pick. Sure. Like, let's do this. Like, I don't care. What does yeah. it, it matter to me? There's no, I don't think there's any pride to Bill Belichick being like, Oh my God, Rob doesn't want to play for me. I think Bill Belichick's like me and Rob won three Super Bowls. We went to five, four or five together. If Rob wants to play somewhere else, I'm going to get a fourth round pick out of it. And otherwise he's playing nowhere. Let's do this. Yeah. Because the other thing is he could not have played for the past next year, given his current cap number. And that's the other thing that's been kind of reported a little bit here and there. If he had said, I'm coming back, the Pats would have been hosed. He, he was owed 10 million bucks. And so he did have some leverage in this deal. And so everybody's like, oh, Belichick didn't get much in return. Like a fourth round pick isn't anything for Rob Gronkowski. It's like, but Rob Gronkowski said, I'm coming back. And they would have had to clear 10 million in cap space. And they would have had to cut guys or cut him. And then in turn, they would have had more dead money and gotten nothing. So I do think there's a part of this where Rob had a little bit of leverage and I think Bill looks at this as found money. And ultimately I think as a Pats fan, the idea that you would become a Bucks fan is so banana land crazy to me, given what we've been through. Like the future of this organization is in the hands of the one person that could get it to the next generation. Tom Brady couldn't get us to the next 10 years. He might've gotten us into the Super Bowl. He might've gotten us two more. I don't know, but he couldn't have gotten us to 2025. Bill can get us to 2025 and I think maybe we're in a spot there where we're in a better spot than we are today. I don't know. I think that's a great point. Um, I, I just would, again, I'm bringing it back. I'd be shocked if Belichick tanks this year. I think Belichick's got a little bit of Colonel Jessup and a few good men in him. He wants Ooh. to be on that wall. He wants people to be doubting him and he's going to come yes. out swinging. That's right. Yeah. I think Cam Newton, if you take us like a shot on a guy like that and all of a sudden you guys are in the Super Bowl again, I mean, I know you guys need some talent around you guys at the receivers, but I don't know. And that's not out of the realm of possibility. So I got two quick hitters for you here before yeah, we let yeah. you go. Who's going to have more wins next year, the bucks or the Pats? I'm going to go, man, as a, 
as an avid gambler, I'm going to, I'm going to put my fandom aside. I'm going to go bucks. Okay. And if the line was, let's call it nine and a half for the bucks, would you go over or under nine and a half wins for the bucks? I'm going to go over. Okay. I think 10 and six is, I, I think 10 and six is realistic for the bucks. And I think, I, again, maybe that's optimistic on my part, but I do think they're going to score points. I think the problem is going to be in the playoffs. I think they're going to get to the playoffs, and I think they're going to have once the chips are. You got a bunch of guys who've never been to the playoffs. You got a bunch of receivers and skill guys that, like, you know, they're used to running down the field and having the ball thrown up to them, which will happen during the regular season against the Panthers, who are going to be terrible. Against, I mean, the Falcons, maybe the, the Falcons may be sneaky good. I don't the know. Falcons I, are I, a wild card. Yeah. Every time I say the Falcons are going to stink, they're good. Every time I say they're going to be good, they stink. So. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to hold hold my opinion. The Saints are obviously the the class of that division. They're probably up there in terms of the class of the NFC. Um, and so I think that that's. I mean, you got to play them twice. There's you know there's a potential of two losses, but I, I mean I think I think the I think they're over nine and a half wins. Um, I do want to talk about one thing before I roll out though. Let's hear it. And I want to talk about the the misrepresentation by the media of things that happened before the draft that they need to have a little bit more understanding of. And it actually has to do with your team. So I saw this great story about how the, the New York giants had done all this work on Herbert, right? Yep. They've done all they've done these meetings. And I don't know if you saw the story. I mean, it's been widely reported. I think Rappaport had it maybe, but people need to understand this is a Patriots thing that they've been doing forever. They do this stuff with the top quarterbacks coming out of the draft because they want to know what to scout when they play them. Like these guys are going to play for teams that you're going to play against. So it makes perfect sense to be like, okay, what are the things that make him click? What are the things that he's good at? What are the things he's not good at? And I think the media sometimes gets caught up in the, oh my God, do the Giants have not think that Daniel Jones is the guy? Are the Giants going to draft Justin? No, the Giants are not going to do any of those things. The Giants have their quarterback. What the Giants are doing is being smart and being crafty with the process and making sure that if they ever play against this guy, they know exactly what he's all about. And I think that that was a, that was an interesting tidbit that came out about the Patriot way. Cause they've been doing this for years and no one pays any attention to it. They always think it's a joke. They're like, Oh, oh, oh the Patriots are working out a top 10 quarterback. How dumb is that? They don't have a top 10 pick. It's like, yeah, but they now have a dossier on everything about this guy. That's an incredible point. I never really thought of it that way. Um, I always just think with like this time of the year, any information that comes out is disinformation. It's all GMs talking up like, Oh, we might take this guy to build value and try and increase trade value. I certainly think that's what the giants are trying to do with Herbert, but I do love that point that they're just getting a fucking ton of information on guys that they might be competing against. Yeah. And it, and it definitely, the Pats at least have definitely prioritized it with quarterbacks. They've wanted to work out more quarterbacks than other, like, cause people be like, they've got Tom Brady. Why are they working out these guys? And a lot of it is, again, they want to understand the strengths and weaknesses of these guys coming out of the draft because it gives them an opportunity to have a leg up in the event that they're rolling into Foxborough in you know, mid January for a playoff game. Um, now, you know, whether it works or not, we'll see, but I, I really think the giants, the fact that the, it was reported that the giants were interested in the quarterback, I think is, you know, it's just, it's one of those media things, right? It's like yeah, pre-draft. Let's, get, so yeah. let's, let's, to, let's stoke the fire a little bit, but, um, but actually can I, can I ask a question to the host? Yeah, of course. Who are the giants taking? All right. That's been the, uh, the big topic here. So there's a lot of scenarios on the board for them. And there's a lot of wild cards. I'm hearing that the Redskins could be trading out of two. I'm hearing that the lions could be trading out of three. Anything's on the, on the board here. If any of those teams trade out, particularly the Redskins, I want chase young, let it be heard. Let it be known. 
But I don't think yeah. that's going to happen. I think the skin's taken. There's, there, they'd just be moronic not to. What I would love to do, though, I'd love for the Giants to trade to like five, six, maybe seven. The further back they go, the less likely it is they take Isaiah Simmons. I just don't mm-hmm. think that's happening. I'm fine with taking an offensive tackle. I'd rather have Tristan Wirfs than I'd rather have uh, Jedrick Wills. Those are my yeah. two guys. Those are the two yeah. guys I would like. I don't think you can get, go wrong really with any of those four. I think Becton's a possibility. And who's the other guy? Thomas is a possibility. Yeah. The farther they trade back, the more likely it is they're taking one of those four tackles. I don't think they're going outside of like 10 if they trade back. But man, I would just love to have Isaiah Simmons on this team. That guy is a freak of nature that you can put anywhere. Think about what the Chiefs do with Tyron Matthew, but just bigger and better. Did you see his quote? Yeah. Well, no. So, about the, I, so all right. So he had a quote. So he had a quote. I, and I don't know when this was from. So he said, you know, what's crazy. He's like, he's like, teams get 53 guys on their roster for game day. The team that drafts me gets 56. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it goes back. Crazy. I yeah. love him. It goes back to what he said at uh, the combine when they're like, what position do you play? Defense. I mean, oh. and we've got our guy, Patrick Graham, as the defensive coordinator. If you get creative, you can put him anywhere. The amount of like coverages you can disguise, the amount of formations you can disguise. You don't have to mm-hmm. take him off the field. I mean, he covers up so many holes. But realistically, I mean, the Giants need offensive line help. I would really in, in playing the safe. I'm fine with them taking a left tackle in the first round and taking a center in the second round and just playing it safe. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the tackle thing. So the the Dolphin story was interesting today about them wanting to trade up to three to take a tackle. I think the run on tackles in the media has been um, has been the catchy thing over the last twenty four hours that all these tackles are going to go. But I agree with you. You trade back to eight, and all of a sudden everybody wants to take tackles, and Isaiah Simmons is sitting right there for you, and you've you've accumulated other draft capital, and you still get the guy that like I mean, arguably is a top five player. Um, in this draft and, and could have an instant impact. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think it, I think the giants are in a good spot. I, I think Gettleman's playing coy with some people and, uh, I do think they're going to strike. I, he's never traded back. So I think that'll be the interesting, I know. the interesting thing. If he, uh, if he pulls the trigger on that. And I also am interested with this pause button, the fantasy draft feature that they've inserted into the NFL draft <laughs> and whether or not this works for teams who want to make trades. And the idea that given the, you know, obviously the circumstances that we're all under and work from home and everything that teams can potentially pause the clock to make a deal. Um, it may open up some, it's funny. My, one of my buddies was like, I think it's going to, there's going to be way less deals because it's going to be so chaotic. Yeah. I was like, well, if this pause button is like, I don't know what the limitations are on it, but that could create more opportunities. And, and, you know, you never know. Gettleman trades down. Listen, the only scenario that I'm upset with, if I walk out of here and I'm mad is if they take anything besides one of the four tackles, Chase Young and Isaiah Simmons. Anybody else is an utter disgrace failure. That's it. And I'm sure yep. whoever they would pick would be talented. It would just fit. <laughs> it wouldn't be who they needed. They've got so many fucking needs. Yeah, I know. Uh, and that, yeah, and and it's a deep draft. I think there's some really. I mean, there's some there's some talent in this draft for sure. I mean, obviously you can say that every year, but um, but I do think that for what they're looking for in terms of defensive help and offensive line help, they have to draft. They, I mean, they got to do that. The, the, they can't afford not to, they need a chase young, an Isaiah Simmons, a tackle. Like they need to be able to come away from this draft with, with that level of guy in order to put the stamp of legitimacy that the big blue are back. Yeah. I mean, it's just that simple. 
I think with a few really good draft picks and some, maybe some extra, you know, extra picks that they accumulate, they could be a decent team. I'm not expecting much next year, but if they're like seven and nine next year, I'd be happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, mean, it's a uh, step in the right direction. And I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of your coach. Um, and we, we played for your defensive coordinator, so that's even weirder. <laughs> um, but, but no, man, I'm, I, I'm rooting for that, uh, that comeback story. I think it, I think it could happen. All right, Bill, this was fun. You want me to uh, send you a Gronk jersey for the, the Bucks 87? <laughs> Man, I, I'll tell you this. You, they, they can keep the uh, Tampa Bay and the Gronkineers and all the other merch that I've seen out there. Keep that in South Florida. Good luck to those guys. Um, I think they're going to realize pretty quick that, that what they left might not have been quite as bad as what they thought it was. Yeah, it's true. Well, we've got the draft to watch. We've got some, finally some sports excitement in our life. I'm sure we'll get you back on, get your thoughts on how the, uh, the patch did, but thanks for coming on, Bill. Thanks, man. See you. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money, and you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's oh, who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.